Uh, I'll be reading from the Good News Bible, today's English version, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 7 through 18. The law was carved in letters on stone tablets, and God's glory appeared when it was given. Even though the brightness on Moses' face was fading, it was so strong that the people of Israel could not keep their eyes fixed on him. If the law, which brings death when it is enforced, come with such glory, how much greater is the glory that belongs to the activity of the Spirit? The system which brings condemnation was glorious. How much more glorious is the activity which brings salvation? We may say that because of the far brighter glory, now the glory that was so bright in the past is gone. For if there was glory in that which lasted for only a while, how much more glory is there in that which lasts forever? Because we have this hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who had to put a veil over his face so that the people of Israel would not see the brightness fade and disappear. Their minds indeed were closed, and to this very day their minds are covered with the same veil as they read the books of the Old Covenant. The veil is removed only when a person is joined to Christ. Even today, whenever they read the Law of Moses, the veil still covers their minds. But it can be removed. As the scripture says about Moses, his veil was removed when the return to the Lord. Now, the Lord in this passage is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is present, There is freedom. All of us, then, reflect the glory of the Lord with uncovered faces. And the same glory coming from the Lord, who is the Spirit, transfers to us into his likeness in an ever greater decree of glory. Thank you, Tommy. Before I get into my sermon, I need to... uh... I need to acknowledge uh, the uh, American Baptist women of our uh, great uh, community here. Uh, last Thursday, uh, graciously and generously presented me with an iPad, uh, which is very not, it's a very extravagant gift, and I really appreciate it. Here it is. That um, <laughs> was very nice. I appreciate that so much. And uh, the whole iPad thing kind of started when in Bible study I was trying to show them a picture of something on my phone and it was very tiny and they suggested an iPad would be more helpful <laughs> for that. Um, and it's not lost on me that I'm sure some, many have reminded me of a sermon I did a few weeks ago where I said the last thing anyone needs in the world is an iPad. <laughs> And the hypocrisy is not lost on me here. <laughs> but uh, So I'll try and do justice by it and uh, use it in a sensible way. For example, I'm going to read my sermon off of it today and see how that goes. <laughs> Trying to find practical uses, you know, for, for this wonderful gift. But thank you so much to the ladies of the church. It was, uh, I really appreciate not only the gift, but just the affirmation that uh, comes with it and, and the support that has been given uh, by that group. So thank you so much. So we have this story today, Paul reflecting on the law given to Moses. And really, 
to really understand this story, once again, we have to go back to Exodus, which I did last week, I think. Now, there's someone in our congregation, uh, Jennifer Schimmelfinning, who says that everything you need to know in life is found in Exodus. And uh, given the fact that I keep referring to it, maybe she's on to something there. But uh, at any rate, you need to go back to Exodus to really understand what Paul is talking about here. In Exodus 33, Moses, they've, 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 been, they've come out of slavery, they're out wandering in the wilderness, and they're, they are down at near Mount Sinai, and they've already gone through the whole thing where, where Moses goes up and, ta- and gets the law and comes down, and I'll be darned if everyone lost patience and built a calf. And so what did Moses do? He gets mad and he throws the tablets down. You remember this from Charlton Heston's movie? He throws the tablets down and they bust into a thousand pieces. So, but Moses built a tent outside of the camp where all everyone was staying and that was called the tent of meeting. And this is where Moses would go in and and talk with God. And here and the presence of God was over this tent of meeting. We kind of talked about that last week. Anyway, Moses would go in there and talk with God. And Moses went into the tent of meeting and said to, and God said to him, I want you to pack everything up and we're going to move out into the desert and move toward the promised land. Well, this made Moses nervous uh, because uh, he didn't know what was out there and was very scared about that. And Moses kept saying, God, I'll go, I'll take your people and I'll go as long as you go with me. Don't leave me hanging. Don't leave me stuck with all these people and all of their whining and griping and, and all of that. I, you go with me. And God said, I'll go with you. That's no problem. He goes, and, and Moses basically says, well, you better because I'm not going to do it unless you go with me. And God says, well, what do I need to do? What do I need to do to, to show you how much favor you have with me? I'm with you is, is, is what God keeps saying. And, Mo, and Moses says, show me your glory. So God says, okay, that's fine. Go up to Mount Sinai. Bring a couple of tablets and we'll redo this whole Ten Commandment thing. And bring, so bring a couple of tablets and I will show you my glory. So Moses takes these tablets up onto Mount Sinai again. And God says, now you can't look right at me. I'm going to hide you in the cleft. And I'm going to put my hand over you. Do you remember this story? And I'm going to, all my goodness will pass in front of you. And as I'm leaving, you can, I'll take my hand away and you can look at me leave. <laughs> Don't look at me straight on, but you can watch me go. Moses says, all right, good enough. And so they, they do all that, and then they rewrite the Ten Commandments, and so they have the, the tablets with him, and, and Moses comes down off of Mount Sinai with the, the fresh copy of the Ten Commandments, and his face had been transfigured uh, after being in the presence of God, and it glowed. And when he came down off the mountain, the people saw Moses and started freaking out. What the heck happened to Moses? And they were scared. And they started running back away and didn't want any part of it. And Moses said, wait a minute, wait a minute. The the Lord has said a few things to me. And he passes that on. And then, because everyone was so scared, Moses veiled his face. Now, we didn't get all of this in in the movie version of everything, but from that day on, Moses always wore a veil. 
except when he was making proclamations to the people after having been in the presence of God. So he wore this veil. He would take it off when he went into the tent of meeting. And then he would come out and he would say, God says thus and such. And then he would put the veil back on. And he lived his life behind a veil. I bet you didn't know that. I didn't either until I started looking at this stuff. So uh, here's, here's this, where we pick up this story. And, and Paul picks up on that and says, look, here's the... Yeah, I'm working this thing out here. <laughs> Paul suggests that Moses veils his face because the glory of God that shone on Moses' face faded over time. Right? That's what Paul is saying in the Corinthians text we're looking at, hell, at, at today. His, his, Moses veiled his face to hide the contrast of the glory of God and this man Moses. To hide the contrast between the man and the myth. To hide the fact that Moses had to leave the mountain and face the real world. And Moses was no saint. i got to tell you, he struggled. There were many times he just wanted to turn around and leave and leave those people out in the wilderness and not have anything to do with them. To hide the fact that he was as human as the rest of them. And maybe to hide the fear and the doubt that was in his heart as they marched through the desert toward the promised land. To hide, perhaps, his own lackluster faith. Don't get me wrong, Moses was a man of great faith. However, he was, he was quite worthy of, quite capable of losing his cool, of getting angry, of showing his darker side. And he didn't want the people around him to see all of that. They didn't want the people around him to know that he was that human. So, <laughs> let me see here. To me, as I read this passage, it sounds like so many people's different experiences in church. So many times we come together in this great church and we come through the doors scared to let our veils down for fear that others will see that we don't have it all together. We don't want to let our veil down for fear that others will see that we have our own doubts. And our own questions about what God is all about. We don't let our veils down for fear that others won't like what is behind it. We don't let our veils down for fear that others will see that we are scared, that we're a little lost, that we're uncomfortable, that we are also human. You know, i got to be honest with you, I have had the best conversations about God anywhere but in church. <laughs> you know, not many of you know this, but uh, before coming to Salt Lake City, when I was in Seattle, uh, I took a job, in addition to pastoring my church, I took a job as a bartender at the Wedgwood Ale House. And I spent, I took a Saturday night shift uh, serving up local brew and some of the best food in Seattle, I've got to tell you. If you're ever in Seattle, go check out the Wedgwood Ale House. But uh, I digress. I was there, and I've got to tell you, I had more conversations about God 
deeper conversations about God. I prayed with more people and for more people than any time folks coming into my office or in church. And I've often wondered about what... In fact, I've told, I told the people at Wedgwood when I left, the first thing you need to do is insist that your pastor gets a, a job at the coffee shop or the bar if you really want to know the neighborhood and know about people's faith. Why? Because the last thing, the last place anyone wants to talk to me about their, their honest faith is here in church. <laughs> Church is intimidating. Church is a scary place. And I, I, you know, we all come into this place, I think there's, it, it seems to breed an inherent fear that people will see that we're not quite as holy as we'd like to be. Right? And we, you know, we try to look good and we try to help everyone see that we look good. <laughs> And we, it's the last place we would come in and walk over and go, you know, Curtis, your sermons are fine, but I'm not even sure I buy all that crap. <laughs> I'm not even sure I, I'm on board with, with all the things you're trying to do. And I, I think we come, it, it almost breeds putting a veil across our faith. And here's the problem with Here's the problem with putting on our veils when we come through these doors. There's two problems. One is that the veil comes between ourselves and God. You know, there were, uh, this was the thing with Moses. Moses didn't want to seem like he was losing his faith. Moses didn't want to seem like God had left him. You know, Moses looked great after he had been in the presence of God. After he'd gone to the tent of meeting and, and the Spirit made his face glow and transformed him. And he wanted everyone to see that. He didn't want people to see the veil. He didn't want people to see how his face and his faith waned over time. And he only wanted to see them when he'd been back in the presence of God. But so often, and what, this is what Paul is suggesting, is that people go into the presence of God with a veil over their face already. They forget to take the veil off. The problem is, if we come through these doors concerned about how we look or how our faith looks or how people are going to perceive our faith, we've got our veil up, we've got our guard on, and God can't penetrate that either. Sure, no one around here is going to know that you have doubts, you have fears, you have skepticism. No one else is going to see your sinfulness. But you know what? God probably isn't going to see it either. We're pretty effective at keeping God away as well. When we come through this door, we're invited to remove our veil. And experience the presence of God. Remove our veil and let God's Holy Spirit reach deep down in and touch our hearts. To remove our veil and become vulnerable before the greatest power in the universe. And become vulnerable before the Word of God and Jesus Christ. And be transformed. And I say if we can't do it here, if people cannot come through the door going, 
you know what, I don't really believe in God. I think Jesus is cool, but I don't really believe in God. Or if we can't come through the door going, you know what, I have fallen on my butt over and over again. I've tried to be good, but I'm, I'm messing up and I need some grace. I need some time in the presence of God and I'm a mess. I mean, not that, you know, it's not that I want into everyone's business. <laughs> but if we're not authentic here, where can we be authentic? You know, I, I grieve the fact that people feel safer talking about their faith in a bar than they do in church. That's an indictment on the church and the, the environment we've constructed. It's my prayer that this becomes a place where we can remove our veils before God and allow that Holy Spirit to come in and allow transformation to truly happen. To be vulnerable. Because without vulnerability, we cannot really be touched or moved or changed or transformed. We cannot move down that path. With a veil on, you can't see where you're going. <laughs> you're going to stumble and fall. The other thing about our veils is that it become it gets in between us. You know? I can't really know you if all I see is a facade of piety, is a facade of I've got my act together. I don't want you to see how really messed up I am or how really scared I am or how really struggling I am or how really tired I am or how much I doubt you know I got to tell you I talk to a lot of you and and you think you're shocking me so often with things that you say you don't you're I'm not sure I believe this I'm not sure I believe that you're not shocking me I hear it all the time and you you know we're all struggling with different parts of our faith with different ideas I struggle there are things I haven't resolved. You know, the problem of evil and punishment and all that. I don't know what, I, I'm not sure what I think about all of that. And my faith changes all the time. There are things I go, God, I don't, I'm not sure I buy that. You know, that's okay. And this is the place to sort it out. This is the place to struggle with it. And when we come in with our veils, we, we deny deny ourselves the community to struggle with us to know us deeply so i encourage us this is the the things i want us to ponder today and again you know it's not that we become a, you know there's a lot of things about y'all i don't want to know <laughs> and it's not right to share all right and no one wants to know all of those things it's not that but how can we truly be known how can we truly be transformed? How can we, how can we truly know ourselves if we come in with our veils on? And we don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to be a family, to be touched and moved and prayed for and nurtured along. How can we confess and receive forgiveness how can we seek compassion and get it? 
how can we struggle with those doubts and those fears and those anguishes unless we acknowledge them and bring them into this sacred place and lay them at the feet of the Lord. I want you to ponder as you go through your week. Where am I wearing a veil? How am I allowing God to remove that veil? Because here's the other thing is, like Moses, when we remove our veil and we allow God's Spirit to transform us, we let God in, like Moses, it shows in our life. And others see it. You know, you, can, you will not hope to grow this church. You will not hope to let others know about your faith with that veil on. No one's going to see the God in you. And that's our call too, isn't it? To be the hands and feet of Christ. To let the world see the God in us. And the reflection of God's glory in us. No one's going to see that through our veil. We've got to take it off and let the whole world see that God is transforming us and recreating us and moving us forward and molding us into the person God created us to be. As we remove our veil, people will see that. See the genuineness of our faith and the honesty and authenticity of our faith. And that transforms lives. I promise you. Transforms lives. So again, as you go through this week, I want you to think about those veils and where we're throwing them up and where we're putting them on. And I want you to challenge yourself. And it's, you know, it begins with you and God coming into this sanctuary with expectation and openness to what God has in store for you. An expectation of God's presence, of God's transforming power, and God's mercy and grace. Expect to be changed. I promise you, you will as that Spirit begins its work. Amen? Let us pray. Gracious, loving God, we come before You vulnerable and it scares us sometimes we we wish we could hide from you but we know that is impossible help us to open ourselves up to the ministry of your spirit help us to remove the veils that come between us and other people help us to remove the veil that others might see how much we love You. How much we are trying to know You better. Follow You closer. and Have a deeper, more meaningful relationship with You. That we might indeed be the reflection of Your glory. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.